Welcome to the Toasty Kettle Podcast. My name is James and I'm your host. Today we're going to talk all about what it means to shoot a Waco. I have a great interview with Rachel. She's the collections manager at the Dr. Pepper Museum and Free Enterprise Institute. And she's going to tell us a little bit more about what it means to shoot a Waco and other fun, interesting Dr. Pepper facts and history. Before I dive into that, I wanted to share a little bit about ToastyKettle.com. This is where I cook a lot of vintage recipes from the 1700s and the 1800s. These recipes are a lot of fun, and it's a food time capsule of sorts. So it's real interesting for me every week to sit down and cook something new and something that's kind of funky or interesting, whether it's shrimp stuffed peppers, braised calves tails, or delicious ginger cake. There's a little something for everyone. So feel free to check that out. Again, it's ToastyKettle.com. Now for our interview. Uh, so I have Rachel on the phone, and she is the collections manager with the Dr. Pepper Museum and Free Enterprise Institute in Waco, Texas. How are you doing this evening? Good. How about yourself? Doing well. Tell me a little bit about who discovered Dr. Pepper. All right. So Dr. Pepper was invented in 1885 in Waco, Texas by Charles Alderton. Alderton was a pharmacist who was working at the Old Corner Drugstore at the time. The story goes that Alderton wanted to create a drink that tasted like the drugstore smelled. Um, back then, they would have had a lot of different syrup flavors mixing in the air. So it could be anything from cherry flavors to even you know your normal fruit flavors um, to even vegetable flavors like celery or coffee syrup. They made soda out of all different things. So he envisioned this drink with all those flavors combining in there, what it would have smelled like back then. Um, and so he started mixing together a bunch of different flavors. He tried a lot of different combinations, and eventually he mixed the right combination and number of flavors together. So he mixed those 23 flavors together, and that's how he came up with that distinct Dr. Pepper flavor. Um, and Dr. Pepper has touted its proprietary blend of 23 flavors ever since. But the actual flavors that make that distinct pepper taste are a highly kept secret. Um, having said that, it does sound kind of weird to us today to say a pharmacist invented a soda because we don't think of them as health drinks. But that was pretty common back in the 1800s. So Coca-Cola, Pepsi-Cola, Verner's Ginger Soda, and Heyer's Root Beer were all invented by pharmacists. Soda fountains played a large role in pharmacies because sodas were considered a health drink. Yeah, that, Even, that was like, something I was going to ask about on that, because I know a little bit about the history of Coca-Cola and how it was had these health benefits or touted as health benefits and things like that <laughs> when they first started. And, you know, I, I think it would be a little strange for me to walk into any pharmacy right now and see the pharmacist back mixing drinks. Right. Um, so that seems a little bit unorthodox, but was that an active role that he would have played in the pharmacy, just hanging out at the soda fountain, mixing drinks? Yeah, definitely. Um, so soda started out um, sort of in the artesian and spring waters. Um, people would drink those for their supposed health benefits, and eventually they started adding flavors and sometimes additional medicines. And, you know, some of these drinks definitely had health benefits, like even today, if you're sick to your stomach, someone usually recommends a ginger ale because that carbonated water settles your stomach. 
and ginger is known to settle stomachs as well. So some of these sodas actually had health benefits and others they said had health benefits that didn't necessarily have health benefits. There are lots of sodas that the medicines would be added in. So people might actually want to take the medicine, you know? Mm -hmm. So was that something when Dr. Pepper was going through its initial phases, was it being touted as kind of like a health drink for people or was it just an enjoyable soda? Oh yeah, it was definitely, and they definitely brought up its health benefits. There's early advertisements for Dr. Pepper um, that say Dr. Pepper, the ideal beverage, good for brain and brawn. So they were saying it would make you smart and strong. And so there's all these different things that people would say soda was good for. And Dr. Pepper for quite some time had the slogan, good for life. So they were just saying that drinking Dr. Pepper is good for your life, right? It'll make you nice and healthy. Now, I I personally drink a lot of Dr. Pepper, and I can testify that that is a true, those are true (laughs) slogans. And, you know, (laughs) is that kind of why it was named Dr. Pepper? How did that name come about? Okay, so there's lots of different stories about how Dr. Pepper got its name. We know a few facts about how it got its name. It was originally called a Waco because that was the only place you could get it. It was Waco. Um, You would go into the old corner drugstore and you would tell the person behind the soda fountain to shoot me a Waco. Uh, Shoot me referred to the motion the soda jerk makes when he pulls on the handle um, to make the soda. And so a Waco would then be Dr. Pepper. But it became pretty popular, and they decided it needed a name other than just Owaco. So it was officially named Dr. Pepper's Phosphorus, um, and that was by the owner of the Old Corner Drugstore, Wade Morrison. And then it was eventually just shortened to Dr. Pepper because the other one was probably too much of a mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a ton of different stories about why Morrison named it Dr. Pepper. There's just a lot of myths that go along with this. One of the most enduring myths is that the drink was named after a a Dr. Pepper that Wade Morrison had apprenticed for. Kind of one of those fantasy love stories. Morrison was interested in the doctor's daughter and wanted to impress the father, so he named the drink after him. But a lot of research has proven this myth is more than likely false um, for many different reasons. Um, But to me, the key factor that really disproves this myth is that Morrison was already married to his wife, who was not the daughter of Dr. Pepper when he named Dr. Pepper. Uh, So I would imagine naming something for an ex-love interest father might lead to just a little bit of marital discord. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, (laughs) So, I personally think that Morrison just liked the name. There are quite a few different drinks that would use the term doctor or something else to invoke that healthy um, look back then. And so I think he just liked the name. Um, He came from Virginia and Pepper was a really common last name in that area during that time. So maybe he got the idea from that or maybe he was just like, oh, the drink peps you up something. Who really knows where the pepper came from? I think he probably just liked the name, but he also really liked telling tall tales. So that has really led to all of these myths over the years. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm 
trying to picture this a little bit, you know, sitting in one of those vintage, you know, corner drug stores, and I've got my pharmacist <laughs> telling me tall tales, shooting me a Waco, and and uh, you know that that seems like a very I don't know, it's, it's easy to romanticize that a little bit. I can see how there might have some myths that come about from that type of a setting. Definitely. And like studying soda history, a lot of these drinks that are still around today have different um, origin stories that don't always match up. And it's just really interesting how this information has passed down through the years. I know we talked a little bit about how, you know, it, it started in Waco and locally they'd call it, you know, shoot, shoot me a Waco. When did it really start to gain traction and be draw more of a, a broad audience nationwide? Yeah, so it gained popularity really quickly in Waco. So people all over Waco would come to the old corner drugstore to ask for Dr. Pepper. They were asking for it in soda fountains all across town. So soda fountains began asking the old corner drugstore um, for syrup to be able to make these Dr. Peppers in their fountains as well. And um, the old corner drugstore responded. They started making syrup there and selling it to the other fountains. But eventually demand just became too great. Everyone was in love with this drink and the old corner drugstore just couldn't keep up. So Wade Morrison partnered with Robert S. Lazenby, who was a beverage chemist. And they created the Artesian Manufacturing and Bottling Company in 1891, and they began bottling Dr. Pepper syrup and Dr. Pepper that was ready to drink in bottles to keep up with demand. And that's also when they began franchising Dr. Pepper. So other bottling companies had the rights to bottle Dr. Pepper then as well. Did that mean that they also had access to the, the secret 23 flavors that go inside of it, or were they just given the syrup and allowed to bottle it? I think they were probably given the syrup. Um, I'm not sure if they were given access to the 23 flavors. I think they probably weren't given full access because it would be really hard to keep Dr. Pepper such a secret to today if all of these franchises were given full access. Yeah, that's true. It's kind of hard to keep a secret if everyone's got the secret. (laughs) Yeah. So Dr. Pepper started getting these little franchises around Texas and then... In 1904, there was the World's Fair in St. Louis. Robert Lazenby actually went and they opened up a bottling plant in St. Louis and they served Dr. Pepper at the World's Fair. So the world got introduced to Dr. Pepper then. And then you'd see franchises popping up all over America for Dr. Pepper. So that really helped um, it gain popularity was it being introduced at the World's Fair. Now with the World's Fair, was that a big draw for an international audience as well? Or was that mainly just people around the country gathering in in St. Louis for that event? It was a really big draw for people around the world. So people from all over came. Obviously, back in 1904, it was easier for people in America to travel to St. Louis. But people from all over the world came. um, And they even had the 1904 Summer Olympics there as well, too. So there's two major events going on that kind of had a world presence. Okay. From 1904 on after that World Fair, is that kind of when they started to really grow as a brand or had it already been growing before that point? It was growing as a brand. By by growth, I mean like uh, 
national. Like uh, you go to California and you, you, you can get a Dr. Pepper in California or, or something like that. Yeah. It was growing as a brand before that, um, especially within Texas. But then after the World's Fair, that was really the catalyst for it to start being offered in other states as well. Okay. Because I know for me, I've been, so I've lived in Tennessee for a few years and down there they have some regional sodas that you you can't get outside of, you know, that region of the country. And so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of picturing Dr. Pepper being similar at the time where you have these pockets where you can get it. But, you know, if, if you're not near one of these distribution plants or bottling facilities, then I guess you're out of luck. Is that kind of how it went? Yes. And in the early years of Dr. Pepper, that's still how it would be with these smaller franchises, because we didn't have the large scale bottling facilities we have today that allow it to have such a national presence. So there would still be areas of the country where you wouldn't be able to get it. But there is a lot of areas of the country where you would be able to get it as well. So it was kind of hit or miss there in the early years. How did it compare with the other major uh, brands at the time, like Coca-Cola or Pepsi, in terms of growth and sales and and things like that? Yeah. Um, So it's somewhat of a difficult question to answer because there's not a lot of great records about that data, especially because so much of it was at the franchise level at this point. Sure. Um, So as those small franchises closed, you lose a lot of that institutional history. But Dr. Pepper was really different from other drinks. It's not a cola, so it's different than Coca-Cola and Pepsi. So it just had a different flavor. It's its own category. That helped it out. But originally, Dr. Pepper ran ads saying it was free from drugs and caffeine because, you know, Some drinks did contain drugs back then, like Coca-Cola and other different drinks that came from the pharmacy. That was just the norm back then. So, Yeah, I guess that's what happens when you have the pharmacist mixing the drink, right? Yeah. Obviously, our health concepts have changed in over the past 125 years or so, right? So, Yeah. So a lot of what Dr. Pepper was selling was that it was free from drugs and caffeine. And I believe that led to Dr. Pepper being more readily accepted by a lot of the public at the time, because during that time, there was a huge push with the purity movement and making sure that foods were pure and didn't contain additives that altered a person. So even not containing caffeine was a big issue as well. So Yeah, I heard a little bit about that, like with the rise of Kellogg's, like cornflakes and things like that, where it, that's why it's so bland and plain is it was just this purity in the food. And they thought mm-hmm. that a bunch of additives could cause you to go crazy with your passions or your, you know, and it's just a way to have that pure, wholesome lifestyle was to have pure and wholesome food. Exactly. And so Dr. Pepper was right on trend with that. It came about at the right time and had the right marketing and everything to go along with that movement. You know, that's you, you make a good point. That's why I like it today. It, it's different from other colas out there, right? It's not a cola. It's not mm-hmm. like a, a Coke or a Pepsi. It, it, it is. It has its own unique flavor and its own unique niche when I'm selecting what I want to drink for that day or something like that. Exactly. So how how has Dr. Pepper changed over the years? All soda has changed over 
the years, right? Um, so the brands that are still around today have all followed sort of similar trajectories to remain relevant and stay on the market. Back in the 1800s, there were so many different kinds of sodas. I mean, today we have these little sort of like microbrew sodas, right? Yeah. So that you can only have certain regions. But back in the 1800s, it was like that everywhere. And there were so many more different sodas and different names, just things we would never recognize today. There were a ton of regional brands. So the ones that have stayed on the market and become these national brands have all really followed similar trajectories. So in America, especially the soda fountain was king. That's where people went to socialize and to get a treat um, and to get all of these sodas, whether it was for health benefits or whether it was just because they wanted a Dr. Pepper, right? Back then, all of these recipes were really fads. Pharmacists and soda jerks would come up with new recipes all the time to try to get more business in their fountains. And some of these would work. Some of them wouldn't. Some of them would come on the market and be really popular and then go away in a few weeks. Out of all the recipes, only a few remain today. And these brands have really been able to stand the test of time through their evolution and marketing. They all were able to leave the soda fountain. People wanted to be able to purchase them in bottles to drink at home, drink at work. And that helped these brands gain national appeal. And so Dr. Pepper used a lot of great marketing to help secure national appeal, like we talked about um, with the purity movement. And they had a, a ton of other great marketing as well that really solidified Dr. Pepper in the market. Um, and they also tapped into what the public wanted. Like we talked about, they make a unique drink. There's not another Dr. Pepper out there. There's imitators, but they're not the same, right? Yeah, there's, well, there's a reason they're not as big as, you know, Dr. Pepper, <laughs> because they're just exactly. not the same. Um, and so, I've tried them. If I go somewhere and I, I I want the Dr. Pepper and they don't have it, and then I think, well, maybe I'll try the, you know, something else that's similar. And mm-hmm. it never is. It, it's a big mistake. It's never the same. So Dr. Pepper, like, there's just nothing out there that's the same. And so <clears throat> Dr. Pepper really moved into that niche. And then when the public wanted something with less calories, they, along with other soda companies, responded with diet and sugar-free versions of their drink. And now Dr. Pepper even has like Dr. Pepper 10, which is, you know, your in-between diet <laughs> and regular Dr. Pepper which, you know, talking about savvy marketing, those commercials are just amazing for the Dr. Pepper 10. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so now today, obviously, your regular Dr. Pepper has caffeine, but they also have a non-caffeinated version. And then they've added some flavors. So we have cherry Dr. Pepper and cherry vanilla Dr. Pepper. And so there really is something for everyone. So, so I think with with those different flavors, has have there been any variations that have been just so out there that they flopped? Yeah. So they, Dr Pepper has released a few different flavors that like limited edition flavors, and so one of those was I think diet chocolate covered cherry Dr Pepper. That and sounds like an interesting one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. And I don't, I don't think that was on the market very long, but it was not intended to be. It was intended to be a limited release. Um, a few of these have been intended to be limited release, and people liked them so much they brought them back full time, like cherry duck. They also had a berries and cream flavor for a little bit. A lot of fruit flavors. 
Yeah, I seem to remember. Uh, I, I remember some of these coming, you know, to the to the stores and things, or walking through the store mm-hmm. and seeing them, and, and and you know, they're limited. Yeah. Compared to like a, a Coca Cola or Mountain Dew, where they have so many different flavors, so many different variations, it seems like Dr Pepper seems to just stay true to what got them there in the first place. Definitely. Um, you know, they're responding to what the public wants. So they're doing these limited edition things, which is great. It brings interest to the product. And when they decide that the public <laughs> still wants things like Cherry Dr. Pepper, they've kept that on the market. But yeah, they have, they're pretty true though with their regular diet and caffeine free. They don't have too many flavors that really leave that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I guess when you have something that great you don't have to get fancy with it right definitely not it already has 23 flavors so yeah. i don't think they need it more right exactly exactly <laughs> well this has been this has been great i've really enjoyed learning a little bit more about dr pepper and and hearing the backstory to it um go ahead and tell me a little bit more about the museum today i you know, when I started doing this episode i didn't even know that there was a dr pepper museum so that was something that kind of amazed me a little bit. And I'm thinking, if I'm ever in Waco, I think I'm going to stop by and, and take a look at the museum. So tell me a little bit about what I might see if I were to show up. Yeah, definitely. The Dr. Pepper Museum and Free Enterprise Institute is a private nonprofit museum. Definitely, it's in the name. We are the Dr. Pepper Museum. Dr. Pepper was invented here in Waco. It was first bottled here in Waco. We are in the historic home of Dr. Pepper, um, one of the first places it was ever bottled. So we obviously focus a lot on Dr. Pepper history, but we also cover the history of soda in general, the whole history of the industry. So we talk about a ton of different brands. We talk about the evolution of the soda industry, Um, And visitors visiting the museum today will learn about Dr. Pepper's history and the history of other sodas along with some of Waco history. So if you visit the museum throughout the day, we have liquid lab shows that are interactive and they cover different topics like cooking with soda, your senses and soda flavors. Um, And then we also sometimes have activities that go along with our different exhibits. We always have changing exhibits. Um, so if you come one time, you might see an exhibit on 7-Up history. But uh, another time, you might see an exhibit on something completely different. So we have all different kinds of exhibits that touch on different points of soda history. And then there is also a soda fountain. So you can get your Dr. Pepper there, right? And it's going to be made by our soda jerks. So you'll get kind of an authentic experience. Yeah, that sounds great. If you can't come to the museum or you've come to the museum and you can't get enough of us, you should definitely follow us on social media uh, because we do a lot of different things on there. Um, And you can just get a little taste of us there. Uh, We have a series that we Facebook Live called Cooking with Collections. And that's the third Thursday of every month at 9 a.m. Central Time. So with this series, the collection staff finds historic recipes that use soda from our archives, and we we recreate those recipes and then have our staff taste test them. So we've made some really great recipes, but we've also made some really interesting ones. Um, (laughs) We've done things like we've made Dr. Pepper apple cake. Our last episode, we made 
Dr. Pepper date oatmeal muffins. We've made seven up chili, but we've also made some weird recipes because a lot of them are from like the fifties, sixties and seventies when jello salads were a really big thing. Oh yeah. We've made some aspects and things like that. Yeah. Uh, so it's definitely fun to see what we found in our archives and what we've decided to make. And you can also always go back on Facebook and watch those videos afterwards as well. So that's a, just a little piece of Dr. Pepper if you can't make it <laughs> to the Dr. Pepper Museum. Yeah, that sounds that sounds great. That's one thing that, you know, I I do a lot of with with my website is a lot of vintage recipes. I go a little older back into the 1800s, but it it definitely can get funky real quick and you yeah. know, I've discovered that there are some great recipes and there are some that you know, there's a reason we're not still doing it that way today. So Exactly. But, well, great. Well, this has been awesome. Well, thank you so much. And I hope you can make it down to the museum sometime. Yeah. If I'm, if I'm in Waco, I know where I'm coming. <laughs> Special thanks to Rachel for that interview. And... Again, with the Dr. Pepper Museum, feel free to find them on social media. I have links in the description. And it sounds like they have a lot of fun stuff to watch and, and follow on Facebook. Now, typically with this part of the show, I'm going to talk a little bit about what I'm cooking in the kitchen. But this week, I don't have any projects going on. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap up this episode. But I want to thank you all for listening. The best way to help out the show and to help us help this project grow is to give me a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcast. And that way it will be easier for people to find the show and to discover all these great fun things about food. So if you love food or know someone who loves to talk about food and food history, feel free to let them know about the show. You can also follow us on social media at Toasty Kettle on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and that will keep you up to date on the latest that's happening with Toasty Kettle. And thank you for listening. That's all I have for today. Mm-hmm.